Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 58. We have Gina Cunningham on to talk about women's health physical therapy today. If you would like to submit a question, head over to realmomsreallife.com. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Welcome, Andrea. Hey, Beth. How are you? I'm good. We received so many great questions for our guests this week, so we're going to jump right in. I just want to remind everyone that you can always email us to submit a question. That was featsofrealeats at gmail.com, or be sure to follow us on social media and when we post for calls for questions. All right, so our guest today is Gina Cunningham. She is a physical therapist. She has her doctorate in physical therapy, and she's an APTA, Women's Pelvic Certified Therapist, and she has a Certificate of Achievement in Pelvic Physical Therapy, and she also has her Level 1 Fascial Movement Taping Certification. She has taken numerous courses through the Institute of Physical Art to develop her manual skills. Since the beginning of her career, Gina developed a special interest in the treatment of pelvic floor disorders. She began her continuing education training with Herman and Wallace Institute and through the women's section of the APTA and is now board-certified specialist in women's and pelvic health physical therapy. She also gained her Certificate of Achievement in Pelvic PT by completing a comprehensive education, training, and testing program for the management of both men and women with diagnoses of pelvic health dysfunction, such as urinary continence and pelvic pain. Gina treats orthopedic patients and patients with pelvic dysfunctions, including vulvodynia, dyspareunia, interstitial cystitis, prostatitis, and pre- and postnatal and pregnancy conditions. Hey, welcome, Gina. Hi, how are you guys? Thanks so much for having me today. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm sorry. So, I, dyscarunia, I thank that you. is pain with sex. So we can definitely talk about that later in the discussion. But that's what that word means. It's oh, painful perfect. intercourse. So dyscarunia. Sounds good. And actually, <laughs> I wanted to make a note. We had an episode. We, we had a DO on a while ago, and I forgot to look up which one it was. It was probably episode 31 or 41, but it was talking about sex, and we said that we were going to have a pelvic floor physical therapist on later, so I'm going to link to that episode so people can kind of go, and we talk about the importance of sex and that kind of thing as well, but we have so many great questions for you today. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm so passionate about physical therapy and women's health and how important it is for all women to know that we exist in our field. So again, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to discuss and answer some questions that some of your viewers have. I love that. And actually, I, before we start, I know that you are local to Exton, Pennsylvania. So anyone kind of in the Chester County, Pennsylvania area can find you and we'll link to you the um, Empower Physical Therapy where you are located. But how can people find women's health specialists in their area? So to find a women's health specialist, you can go to womenshealthapta.org, and that is the American Physical Therapy Association website of um, certified or wi- certified women's health therapists or women that have taken women's health courses, and you type in, P- there's a PT locator tab, and you just type in your zip code, um, and then there's also, it's Herman and Wallace is the website where women physical therapists 
take classes and they can go on there to find a women's health therapist as well. So I can give you the links and we can have that for the viewers as well. So to find one of us. Perfect. Yes, I will link to both of those in the show notes. Great. All right. So the first question is from Janet. She says, oh, I'll ask the question we all want to know. What can we do to stop sneeze peeing ourselves or cough pee, run pee, jump pee, et cetera, et cetera? I love it. So everyone's heard of the word kegels, I'm sure. Um, And a kegel is a contraction of our pelvic floor. So if you're unsure what your pelvic floor is, it's the muscles located at the bottom of your pelvis that they go all the way from your pubic bone to your sits bone back to your tailbone. So we take for granted that it's all muscle down there, which is why you come to a a physical therapist. We're in charge of the muscular skeletal system. Um, And what it does is it hammocks the bladder, uterus, and colon. So um, actually research shows that 60 to 80% or nine out of 10 women aren't doing kegels correctly and they need someone to show them how to do it. So, um, Another point, too, is that kegels, it's not just about doing that contraction. It's about key is to coordinate it with your diaphragm and your abdominal muscles. So I, I think I heard in one of your podcasts before, too, that and it's, I was so excited that your core isn't just your abdominal muscles. Your core is a dome-shaped structure where the diaphragm, your breathing muscles, the attic, pelvic floors, the basement, you have your abdominal wall and your back muscles. So what we teach you is how to really engage those, that deep, deep layer of your core muscles um, to be able to coordinate and activate together. So um, to help yourself stop peeing, you need to be able to isolate those deep core muscles with coordinating the pelvic floor um, in certain positions and challenge in all positions. So Awesome. Hopefully so it sounds that. like the the best way to do it is to figure out how to perform a Kegel appropriately to uh, not only contract those pelvic floor muscles, but the diaphragm and all those other pieces of the core at once, and then also be able to relax it appropriately as well. Is that kind of a 100%. General- the re- yes, the relaxing portion is just as important as the contracting portion. And I have a lot of my patients, they tell me I went online and I tried to read how to do a Kegel. And again, you can, it's easy to compensate and substitute using other muscle groups when it's really important to isolate. And it's not just about the strength of your pelvic floor, but really the coordination. So we always start our patients lying down on their back and then working their way up to sitting, to standing, and then get them into jumping and doing different activities all while making sure that they're isolating and contracting. I love this. And I just wanted to highlight or emphasize what you said about that research. I did not know that percentage of the people who um, you know, are doing it incorrectly. I'm not surprised at all. And I just want to emphasize that piece because even myself as a physical therapist still needed another physical therapist to show me how to do it correctly because it is, it is just not as easy as we think. <laughs> and I think there's right. things that we do during life that just mess that up. Like we sit way too much or you can go into that if you want, but yeah, it's just, it should be this natural movement, but it ends up not being for whatever reason. And please just get someone to help you seriously. (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah. I have another great stat through um, it's a Diane Lee book. Um, She, she's a great 
uh, research for women's health issues. Um, but urinary incontinence is much more prevalent than low back pain and pelvic girdle pain after pregnancy. And 92% of women incontinent at 12 weeks postpartum will still be incontinent five years later. Wow. So that's a really high percentage of women peeing themselves. And I see it all the time in like, you know, mom's groups of like, oh, you know, amen for the, you know, the sneeze pee. It happened. We all know that. Ha ha. And like everyone's just like laughing and like it's I get so like, ah, there's something you can do about it. <laughs> well, and that's what we say, too, that, you know, leaking is common, but it's not normal. It means there's a dysfunction in your muscle. And it's a, it's a shame that our media portrays the glamour of using pads or, oh, these new underwear and, you know, or your doctor may recommend a pill. And it's like, no, you just try doing this first. This should be the first level of care. And then, yes, if you, it's not, you're, you can't be successful in doing what we provide, then, okay, maybe talk about other um, things you can work on. But it really should be the first level of just learning how to use those muscles correctly. I have a follow-up question, just since this is such a huge issue, and I know you're, you, I, as a physical therapist, hate this question, so sorry for asking it to you. I know our listeners probably want to hear this, is let's say yeah. you just take the, the like most average you know, woman with sneeze peeing or this incontinence issue. It's kind of the, the only issue. It's like, oh, everything else is fine. I just have a little you know, pee sometimes. Is there a typical length of time you expect for, you know, them to have to go through PT to help their issue. I'm not even kidding you when I say this. I have seen women, once I show them how to correctly coordinate and contract their muscles, I've seen improvements within a week. I just had a patient. She, um, three kids, she was doing karate with her family, um, didn't have any issues postpartum, and then doing karate, she was doing jumping jacks. And she said once she gets, she could do 10, but once she gets to 10, she starts to pee herself and she was on it and she came to me and I taught her not just to isolate, but to coordinate her core and pelvic floor. She's doing karate pee free and doesn't have to wear a pad and doesn't have to worry about wearing dark leggings because she's afraid of peeing herself. So honestly, women can, you just need to learn to do it correctly. And I've seen women be able to do it like and get it within a week. It really, it's just learning how to activate it correctly. I love that. I think sometimes people think of oh, physical therapy. It's going to like be this like months thing and this huge commitment. And we, awesome to hear. Right. So we, yeah, exactly. Typically, you know, the doctor writes a script for physical therapy. It's three times a week for four weeks. Like, how am I going to do that with kids and everything? And honestly, I see my incontinence patients once a week because it's going to take time for the muscles to gain a little bit of strength in that coordination. So I see my incontinence patients once a week and I set my goals for four to six weeks and I see change in just those four to six weeks. And I always say this program is 10% me, 90% you. I just teach and show you what to do and you do it for you to get better. So that's great. So we have sort of a similar incontinence kind of question. Jennifer asks, what's with the dribble? You pee, you wipe, wait a second and dab again just to make sure. And as soon as you are fully dressed again, there's a dribble. Where on earth does that come from? So I love this question because so many women have this issue and don't talk about it or they're just ignore it because whatever, it's just a little dribble. And going back to the incontinence thing, like, oh, I just pee a little bit when I cough and sneeze. It's going to get worse. And 
it doesn't get better if you don't treat it. So it's a shame when I see women now in their 50s and 60s, you know, really leaking themselves, going through pads. And I, I just say, I'm like, oh, I wish you were here, like right postnatal or in your 30s when you started having these issues um, to really help you fix the problem before it really becomes an issue. So, um, but the dribble after your bladder. So it's usually because you're not completely emptying your bladder. You may not be completely relaxing. So like I said, it's important to contract, but it's important to relax. So there's an inverse relationship between your bladder and pelvic floor when you urinate. So your pelvic floor should relax and your bladder muscle contracts. Your bladder muscle is called your detrusor. It contracts while you're urinating. Um, so a lot of women hover over the toilet, sit down on the toilet, sit down on the toilet. I know everyone's scared of germs and there's more germs opening the bathroom door or on the faucet than putting your butt on the toilet seat. So sit on the toilet because your muscles cannot completely relax if you're not totally sitting down. So try not to hover. Um, and take your time. It's really hard sometimes for women, you know, they're rushing, their kids are knocking on the door, coming in, and you're, the last thing you have time to do is pee. So you're rushing yourself and you're not completely emptying. So easier said than done, but try to take your time, completely relax to empty your bladder. Um, and if it's a huge, it's a, if it's a big issue, what I teach my patients to do is what, after you sit down and urinate, stand up, sit back down on the toilet and then stand again and go about your day. So see if just changing that gravitation um, and posturing helps with that contracting and relaxing of the bladder and pelvic floor. So I'm going to tell you something we do with my four-year-old. We call it shaky, shaky. And so she'll sit and like, she's like leaning and she's like having trouble relaxing enough to pee. So we stand up and we do shaky, shaky and she wiggles her butt and then she sits back down and then she's able to pee. So shaky, shaky, women should do it too. That's right. Yes. I love, I love it. it. <laughs> so I'm going to skip ahead. We have another um, incontinence question. I figured we'd group them all together. So Beth okay. and um, Beth asks, obviously each body is different, but what are the reasons that would cause a woman who did not have any urinary, urinary incontinence, stress, or urge to develop both either as a result of pelvic PT. So she says when she's going to her women's health physical therapist regularly and doing the exercises regularly, she needs to wear an incontinence pads. But when she stops the exercises after a few weeks, she stops leaking. It makes it really hard to decide whether the physical therapies work at that. She's been in and out of pelvic PT with different PT with different people for five years. And Melissa responds, wow, I'd like to know this as well. I think it's likely due to not releasing enough, maybe even overactivating. That's what I've been thinking anyways. I've had the same experience. So Melissa is wonderful. And I'm sorry for the, who was, what was her name? Who submitted the question? That was Beth. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this type of thing makes me so sad. And I have seen this happen. Um, Physical therapy should not make things worse. If you're being, if you feel worse in what you're doing, and guess what? I I don't mean to mock, knock anyone in my profession, but you need to be make sure you're going to the right person that knows what they're doing because you it did not make sense to me that you're wearing pads while you're in physical therapy and exercising versus you feel better when you're not in physical therapy, not exercising. So. Like I said before, Kegels aren't the beyond-all, be-all. And um, like Melissa said, an overactive pelvic floor can cause leaking. So 
an overactive pelvic floor is a shortened or tightened um, muscle. So when, when I just want to clarify, when I say pelvic floor, I'm talking about the muscles. It's the whole muscle group. And they can also be short and tight. So I, um, again, I think everyone has this idea that your muscles are weak and loose, and that's why you pee yourselves. And when I first started in my career, I remember I had a 20-year-old girl, never had kids, um, never had intercourse. So she was very anxious and just upregulated and um, kind of a nervous um, person, sat all day at work. Um, she was in physical therapy and they were doing kegels and she was learning how to contract her muscles. And again, same thing. It was making her symptoms worse. So I did an internal exam and I'm not kidding you. I could barely get my finger internally into her pelvic floor muscles. So, um, it's important to be able to relax that muscle in order to contract. So I always show my patients my bicep muscle. If I have my muscle contracted and I try to contract it more, it's not going to go very far versus my muscle is completely stretched and relaxed. I'm able to completely contract it. So a muscle cannot activate correctly or contract if it's already upregulated or overactive. So it's just like you have a spasm in your neck. The same thing can happen in your pelvic floor muscles. Um, so I worked with the 20-year-old. Um, I worked on releasing her pelvic floor, doing manual technique, and I taught her how to do what's called a reverse kegel. Um, it's a relaxation of your pelvic floor, coordinating again with your diaphragm and abdominals. And she stopped leaking because I taught her how to just relax and not contract. So it scares me when women just go online and they read about contracting and contracting and, oh, I tried to contract throughout my pregnancy and contract and contract. And again, you wouldn't want to overactivate an already overactive muscle. So to the woman who's been out of PT for five years, you want to really make sure that you're going to a physical therapist that's certified and, and, and knows what they're doing. This is so scary. Yeah, I love that. And I definitely, I feel like I see that with some patients too. I've had that people who go to, I mean, they say it's women's health PT. Honestly, I sometimes do question that because a lot of times they say that the PT never did an, I, I very rarely will have people who have that, who have also had an internal exam. So I kind of tend to see those two go hand in hand. Like there's no internal exam done. So do you tend to do an internal exam on it? everybody to check that first? Is that the only way to check if there's too much tautness or is there another way to know without an internal exam? You need an internal exam to accurately and appropriately examine the pelvic floor. So at our facility, we each have um, closed door space. Um, I explain everything we're doing. Um, I even kind of dim the lights. There's quotes on our walls to make women feel comfortable um, I think a lot of women don't realize that you can have a tightened and short pelvic floor and not only can it, can you have incontinence with it, but I see so many women that have pain with intercourse because of it. Um, they can't insert tampons, you know, they can't, their, their GYN exams are so intolerable that they hate going, they don't even go. So, um, you know, women struggle with fertility issues and it's they they can't have intercourse. Um, I see a lot of women with abuse that have a history of um, sexual or physical abuse that have an upregulated pelvic floor. Just, you know, it's a shame our, 
our society is very more upregulated and stressed and anxious and on the go. And you don't even realize that you're contracting those muscles down there. So like I said, at, at Empower, we have three board certified physical therapists. So which means just like we took my, our physical therapy exam, we had to take, it was a six hour board exam after going to weekend courses. And at the weekend courses, it's a four day course where I'm the patient and the physical therapist and you learn all the muscles and everyone gets stressed from the waist down and you learn what to do. So if you are going to a physical therapist and they have not checked your pelvic floor, you need to find a women's health therapist to do an internal exam. Thank think, you. Yes, I think that's a really big point is that you're sort of, you know, you should be going to a certified women's health physical therapist. Like Andrea and I have said, we're both PTs, but this is not training that we have in, you know, in school. This is not, this is something that you need to get trained extra. You should expect your women's health physical therapist to do an internal exam. And um, I would also want to say too, to Beth, like make sure if you're having trouble with your physical therapist or it's not, make sure that you tell your physical therapist that this is happening as well. I feel like that kind of happens sometimes where you forget to say, you know, when I'm not coming to PT, this is this isn't an issue, but this is an issue when I'm here. I think that sometimes we forget to tell the provider that that's a problem because we don't want to offend them or that kind Definitely. of thing. Definitely. Yep. Um so so just being honest, maybe maybe she was seeing a certified um uh, right, women's health specialist, but the, they didn't know that this was an issue. All they knew is, okay, you're having incontinence while you're here. Oh, I didn't realize that when you're not here, you're not having it because that can put more pieces to the puzzle together. Yes, please be open. Please tell us everything. Um, and I, I think too, you know, people think physical therapy, they think what? Shoulders, knees, oh, I, my back pain. And that's kind of what the mindset of physical therapy. And it's really, there's so many different sublets of specialties. So Physical therapist, we kind of learn the whole picture in physical therapy school, except women's health, but um, it's, it's all after physical therapy school. But in, in, in the physical therapy world, there's therapists that work with patients that had a stroke or a brain injury, and there's physical therapists that work with pediatrics. I do not see pediatric patients. I send them to a pediatric physical therapist or you, know, you can go to a, a physical therapist if you're having um, vertigo, dizziness. Um, again, I don't treat that. That's not my thing. And I, I tell my patients that, nope, I don't do that. That's a specialty. So I hope in our profession that just a general physical therapist is not saying that they do women's health because, you know, you can really be hurting somebody or, or not giving them the quality of care that someone would need. Definitely. All right, we're going to switch gears a little bit. So Anne asks, can you talk through diastasis recti? How do you know if you've got it and how to heal if you do? She said, sounds like a great podcast. I'm excited to check it out. So, yes, we see a lot of diastasis recti. So, again, from my Diane Lee book, I just we do in-services once a week with our with our therapist, um, just going to continuing ed courses and everything we do. Um, but I just did in service on this and crazy stat. It has been reported that a hundred percent of women have a diastasis recti by 35 weeks gestation and the separation persists in 40% when measured at six months postpartum. Um, and I can put, I can put link this study on to the website if you want for women to 
to see where that stat came from. So what a diastasis recti is, it's it's separation of your abdominal muscles. Um, So like I said, it happens to women when you're pregnant. What happens to growing, your growing abdomen stretches and stretches and stretches. And then there's a line, it's called your linea alba. It goes from your sternum down to your pubic bone. The muscle should recoil back to that linea alba after linea alba after you have your baby. Um, so diastasis means separation and recti is your abdominal rectus muscle. So in order to test it, you want to lie on your back and then you lift your head. And if you notice, I call it, it's a bulge literally of your abdominal muscles. It's kind of like, it's like a TP almost like coming through the wall. Um, and what that is, it's a herniation. It's a herniation of your intestines because it's the, the linea alba is very weak. Um, so I feel like a lot of women right now are so focused on closing the gap and closing the gap and getting the gap closed. And it's actually what we're trying to look for is the depth of the separation and also to see that tension of the linea alba. So you can close the gap and get the muscles close together. But if you still have that bulge through the gap, that is not good. And that's what the main goal should be is to not have that bulge. Um, And Again, we do different techniques. We do manual techniques, taping techniques. Um, I do not see my diastasis recti patients long. I maybe see them for three to four visits, and then I set them on a program for them to work on and focus at home. Again, um, diastasis recti can cause a lot of other stuff, like incontinence. Um, So I do. I'll check the pelvic floor. Um, It can cause low back pain. and what I, we really work on teaching you to do is to isolate your transverse abdominal muscles. So you have different layers of your abdominals, and we work on really activating those deeper layers so that you're not overcompensating. Um, but carryover is key. So you don't just want to be doing you know, exercises laying on your back. You want to be able to make sure you're not bulging your abdominals you know, when you're lifting your kid or when you're more in the upright position because that's just contributing to it. I, I love all of that. That's great information. Are there exercises that people should avoid that have um, a diastasis? So, yeah, I do say these aren't like exercises you should never do for the rest of your life. And it is, you know, specific to the person because I do want you to be eventually able to do them, but to do them correctly. So in the beginning, if you do have a bulge, you should not be doing crunches and you should not be planking and you should not be doing any exercises that cause you to overextend like in, um, like a bridge pose where you're overextending or wheel pose in yoga or cobra pose where you're overstretching your abdominal muscles because, again, that's just causing more pressure and tension and could cause more of the bulge. So, again, I see a lot of women go to um, just any physical therapist that's not certified in women's health um, and they might be not doing the correct exercises or not completely fixing it efficiently. 
Awesome, thank you. So our next question, Kayla asks, what can we do at home internally to assist healing? I see a lot of gadgets and recommendations, but I don't want to just start messing around in there without directions. Good idea. <laughs> I wouldn't start messing around down there either. So um, healing, I was kind of confused with this. So what kind of healing? There's different kinds. So, you know, are you incontinent? Are you, do you have scar tissue? Do you have a tight pelvic floor? Is it weak? Is it not coordinated? So I wouldn't, I don't know. I can't answer that question, honestly, without it being assessed. So, you know, if it's just like, say, a patient calls you like, hey, I'm having back pain. What, can you give me some exercises for it? No, I can't give you exercises for your back pain. I have no, I don't know what's going on. So um, to just say, oh, yeah, here, stick a vaginal weight in and it'll, it'll, it'll fix it. No, I, I need to be able to check and see what's going on with the muscle. So, um, <clears throat> again, I work with my patients even – you know, time financially, if you just need to come for one appointment and I can teach you and show you what to do, that's better than you messing around down there and trying to figure out what to do. So, um, <coughs> again, well, like I said, the muscles can be too short, too weak, too loose. So, well, and I'm wondering if this question is asking about sort of like, let's say there was tearing or, or that kind of thing. So, so I think this is a good time to talk about at what point postpartum should people be coming to see a uh, you know, women's health physical therapist? And then you gave me, when I came to you, some stats of when you expect pelvic floor, like there were like three criteria of when you expect there to be some damage to the pelvic floor. Can you go over some of that information? Oh, yes. So, um, so it's really sad. In other countries, it's protocol that you see a women's health therapist six weeks after you have a baby. So after you get cleared by your OBGYN, because what they're doing, they're checking your uterus, they're checking your cervix, they're not necessarily checking your diastasis, checking your pelvic floor muscles, you know, they're, they might, they're not doing the same assessment that we do. And they're not teaching you, you know, here's some exercises to get into before you really go for a run. So um, in other countries, Switzerland, France, um, you know, they're seeing women's health therapists and their incontinence rate and pain is way lower. Um, so your question, if you push more than two hours, if you have an episiotomy versus natural tearing, or if you need forceps or vacuum use, those are going to be factors that contribute to damaging of the pelvic floor. Now, you don't know how labor and delivery is going to go. Everyone, you know, people might have a birth plan, but you don't know what's going to happen. That baby, you know, you never know what the baby's going to do. So you, you know, those factors and then, you know, afterwards know how to work with if you do have any kind of healing issue. So I have a lot of patients that they have um, scar tissue issues after they needed to be stitched up and they're having pain with sex. And at that six weeks when you're going to your OBGYN, you haven't had sex yet because you're waiting to get cleared. So how do you even know you're having pain with sex? And don't get me wrong. The first time you have sex after you have a baby, it's not rainbows and sunshine. It's scary because the last thing that happened down there was really traumatic. So um, I teach you how to 
relax down that tissue and realize, okay, what's, what's normal, what's not. You should not be having pain with intercourse to the point where you don't want to do it. And then what happens is, you know, you don't want to have sex and then you don't have time to have sex because you have a new baby. And then, you know, then you're in marriage counseling. So that's, it's, that's a whole nother ball game, but that's what I see. What happens? Thank you for that. I, we have one last question. Courtney asks, if you're breastfeeding, how long can you expect it to take to see improvement with prolapse? Will it improve after breastfeeding ceases? For example, I'm almost 11 months postpartum and still breastfeeding, and I have seen a PT for prolapse issues, and it improved while in PT, but since discharge, it has gotten worse again. I know I don't do all of my own exercises every, <laughs> every day, but what can, I do what I can. <laughs> Thank you. Um. So I just wanted to tell, let everyone know a prolapse um, is literally where your bladder, uterus, or rectum starts to protrude through your vaginal canal. Now, there's different levels, different grades. Some women freak out if they feel like, oh, my gosh, I have a prolapse. You can work with it and help it through physical therapy. And if it doesn't improve, um, then there's different different things you could do, like using a pessary before you just jump to having surgery. So, um, you know, with a grade three, grade four prolapse that does need a surgical repair and a grade four prolapse is literally your, the wall of your bladder is out of your vagina. You can see it. So it looks like the crowning of a baby's head coming out. So you would know if you had that and that does require surgical. And I'm, and as a physical therapist, I'm not afraid to tell my patient, Hey, you, this, this is not going to get fixed with DT. You, you do need to see a surgeon. So um, I just wanted to preface that, but um, you know, a grade one, grade two, that's just, it's a little bit of lowering of, of the canal, you know, as we age, as we pound with running and lifting and everything kind of unfortunately starts to descend, but with breastfeeding, you kind of put yourself in a, you do, you put yourself in a menopausal state with your estrogen levels. So it's a depletion of estrogen, which means that the estrogen isn't helping to go to your vaginal tissue when you breastfeed. So research has shown six months after breastfeeding is really when the estrogen levels start to increase. Um, but you should start working if you're feeling a prolapse sensation. So when my patients complain of a prolapse, it's, it feels like a tampon's in there or they feel something, they feel pressure in their vaginal canal. That's what it would feel like. And you can start working on the prolapse ASAP. Um, what I tell my patients to do is do some kegels and do, do my stuff while you're breastfeeding. Do it while you're breastfeeding. If you can't remember to do it or not complying with your exercises. And I really try to do exercises geared towards mommy and baby because you're spending a lot of time with the baby. It's an activity for mom and baby. Um, but yeah, while baby's on boob, do your stuff. And that's, it's, you should be able to isolate and do it while, while you're sitting and posturing is huge too. So, you know, if you're not in a good posture while you're breastfeeding, that's going to play a role into the prolapse, the position of the prolapse. So I work, we work with all that. Awesome. So I just kind of want to sum up a little bit sort of what we talked about. So 
we talked about when people should go see a women's health physical therapist and we can go kind of as soon as six weeks postpartum and but or if you know you don't have to have a baby to have issues with incontinence or um that kind of thing. So you can see a pelvic floor physical therapist for any of that. If you're having pain with, uh, you mentioned putting in tampons, having sex, uh, definitely with incontinence, or um, if you're wondering about a diastasis, it's really important to have that checked out by a uh, women's health physical therapist, and then they can tell you how to work with it and how to help it heal. There's some great other techniques that they like may you mentioned manual techniques and taping that are, that are not things that you can just do at home um did I did I cover I think did I cover everything that we talked about yeah that's great um you know even bowel incontinence I did we didn't mention so you know women that tear during the during a vaginal delivery I've seen a 32 year old have a bowel incontinence and you know, it's, it's embarrassing. It's difficult to live with. It's hard to talk about. So um, there's something you can do to help it. And that's honestly my passion and goal is for, you know, it's not easy to talk about your bowels or you're you know, losing your urine or wearing pads or your vagina or pain with sex. And honestly, that's my goal is for women just to start talking about it and getting answers. And if you're, you do tell your OB and, you know, I sad and I've had OBs tell my patients, oh, just drink a glass of wine, just relax while you have sex. And no, you know your body more than anybody. And if it's that's not that's not the case, then seek out a women's health therapist. And state to state it's different, but in Pennsylvania, you can see um a physical therapist directly for thirty days. So which means you do not need a script from your OBGYN or um, primary care doctor, you can come directly to a physical therapist. And then after 30 days, you would need a script. But honestly, I, um, our goal is to get you better with the quality care. We treat one-on-one in a closed room and I don't see my patients for a long time. So um, fix yourself. You're the, you're, if you're the mom, if you're, you're, you're taking care of everybody else, but you need to take care of yourself first. So that's what I hope came across this message of every question and answer. <laughs> oh, yes. I love that so much. <laughs> that is great. Thank you so much for <laughs> all of that. Is there, is there any like one last thing that you just like wish everyone knew, or maybe even something that people could do like at home for themselves, maybe while they're trying to figure out how to get into PT and hopefully see a specialist? Um, know your body. Know your body. If you're paying yourself, like, then you should, everything I talked about, you should contact or look up where to find a women's health therapist. You know, don't, think that, oh, I have pain with sex and that's okay. I just push through it. Don't push through it. Um, but like I said, I can't tell you what to do at home before you really get an internal exam and assess. So no, I'm not going to, I don't tell my women, everyone in the world should be doing kegels or everyone in the world should be doing this because just like with any other part of your body, you know, you wouldn't start taking an antibiotic if you had a virus it's not going to help with the virus because it's a bacteria. So 
you know, you wouldn't start taking medicine if you didn't know what was wrong. Same thing with the muscular skeletal system. I love it. Thank you. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can find Gina at empowerphysicaltherapy.com. It's located in Exton, Pennsylvania. And you can follow Andrea and I on social media for news, updates, and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Feats of Real Eats and Andrea at Dr. Andrea Moore on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com.